Well, turning your Bibles to Acts 28, we're continuing, of course, our study of the life of Paul, and we're getting close to the end, and we see that he's touched a lot of lives. He was a man used by God. We, he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. We saw that, uh, saw him, believed in him, and then God said, I'm going to set you apart. We know that he wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, that he went on three different missionary journeys. We saw that he returned to Jerusalem. There was a big riot, and then he's been basically on trial. He appeared before the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish ruling body, before Felix, before Felix and Drusilla, and then before Agrippa and Bernice. And then he appealed to Rome because they were wanting him to go back and everything, and he said, no, I appeal to Rome. And so last time, uh, we saw that they were on a trip to Rome, and, and there was a storm and a shipwreck, and they landed on the island of Malta, and, uh, and they were there for three months, and then from there on to Rome. And so last time, we, we just touched on Paul's message when he went, got to Rome. But here's what we want to think about. God saved not only Paul, but all the people on that ship, 276 people. God came to Paul and said, as you've stood for me before, you're going to stand in Rome and I'm going to give you the life of every person on that ship. And so even when the ship crashed and everything, all the 276 people made it. They were all safe. God used Paul while he was on the island of Malta. They were there for three months. And then they're on the way now to Rome, and they've got to Rome. And let me just think about it this way. Sometimes things don't turn out the way we think they should. We say, Lord, I want this to happen. Oh, please let this happen. Uh, and it doesn't work out. And sometimes we say, well, that's not exactly what I like. If you said to Paul, do you want to go to Rome? He'd have said, of course I want to go to Rome. And my plan is to go to Rome and then go on to Spain. And God says, oh, you're going to go to Rome, but it's not going to be like you think. You're going to go to Rome as a prisoner. And you're going to be in prison two years in Caesarea, and you're going to end up being two years in prison in Rome. And yet, you think about this, and God is in control. And sometimes in our lives, things don't turn out the way we think they should. We say, well, I want this to happen, and it doesn't. And we go, well, that, that didn't turn out right. And, and the truth is this, God's way... God's plan is always the best, even though we, don't, we can't always see it, we can't always tell it. So when we think about it, here's when we think about Paul, two things. First of all, for being in Rome and being in prison in Rome, while he was there, he witnesses to many Jews and Roman soldiers, and Paul wrote four letters to the believers. And so while he's in prison in Rome, and some people would say, he was in prison in Rome for two years, that really cut out everything. No, Paul said it didn't cut everything. And so here's what I want us to think about this morning. And it's going to take us, a, we'll go through it fairly quickly. We're going to see Paul's message to the Jewish leaders. We touched on that last time. We're going to see Paul's message to the Roman soldiers. We're going to see Paul's prison letters. That's what we call them. There are four of them. And then we're going to see Paul's release. Because we're getting close to the end. We're getting close to the end. It's, the year is about 60 to 62 A.D. Paul most likely believed in Jesus around 33, 34, 35. So he's been a believer for these years. He's done all kinds of things, gone on all those missionary journeys, wrote all those letters, done all these things, and now he's in prison in Rome. So what's it going to be like? Well, let's look at the first thing, Paul's message to the Jewish leaders. And Paul said, and this is in Acts 28, and if you wanted to, you can just look at the chapter, but the bottom line in verse 17 uh, he calls them together. It says, after, after three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews, and they came together, and he began saying to them, Brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So he says, I've called them together and told them, I have done nothing wrong. And he says, the bottom line is, you can examine me, but I'm going to talk, I'm going to tell you why they really got me. And it's basically as he talked about Jesus Christ. We saw then, last time, in Acts 28, he called together, and here's what he says. When they had set a day for Paul, 
People came to him at his lodging. Now remember, Paul's in prison in Rome, but it's not like a dungeon prison. It's a, it's a room. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a house. And there's a Roman soldier chained to him the whole time. He's, he's a prisoner. He can't really leave and go places and do things, but people can come see him. So it's not like he's in a dungeon. Now we're going to see the last part of Paul's life. He is in a dungeon, and they're going to put him to death. Here, they're not, we don't know whether they're going to put him to death or not right now. He's appealed to Caesar to see what's going to happen. It says he was, uh, came to his lodging in large numbers. He was explaining to them, watch, and solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God. Now, for Jewish people, the kingdom is the key. In fact, really, the kingdom is the key for us. What are we looking for? One of these days, Jesus is going to come get us. Then he's going to come back to the earth, and he's going to set up a what? A kingdom is going to rule for what? A thousand years. And then there's going to be, that's called the eternal kingdom because after that, he has a new heaven and a new earth and he'll rule forever. And so he was trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning till evening. He's persuading them about Jesus, that he's the Messiah and the Savior. Some were being persuaded by the things said by Paul, but others would not believe. Now to be persuaded actually is the idea of to believe. To be persuaded about something is to believe that it's true. And he told them that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, he died and rose again. If you believe in him, you have life, eternal life. That's Paul's message. You can go through all of the letters. You can go through the mission journeys. You can go through his messages. And he always says the same thing. Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior. He died and rose again. You believe in him, you have eternal life. And that's our message. It's very simple. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again, and he offers to us what? The gift of eternal life, which comes simply by faith. That's all it is. And he says some were persuaded and some were not. Some were and some wouldn't believe. And so we, actually he's using persuade there as a synonym for believing. Some believed and some wouldn't. Some were persuaded and some were not persuaded. That's really how you could say it. And so Paul basically then spent some time there. Notice, watch. And so now Paul stayed two full years in his own rented lodging, and welcomed all who came to him. So people could come see him. He was doing what? Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Isn't that amazing? For two years. What did God say to Paul? Paul, you will testify in Rome for me. Paul might have thought that it'd be a short time. It's two years he testifies in Rome for God. Now, we don't know it, it, the book of Acts ends with Paul in prison. And that's all, that's all we have. We don't know what happened. We, uh, best we can understand is he probably went before the Caesar, gave his information, and the Caesar said, you've done nothing wrong. You're free to go. That's probably what happened. We'll talk more about it in, in just a minute. But you say, you, we could say to ourselves, well, Paul's in prison, and uh, it, you know, it kind of it curtailed the ministry. Because he was, he was going all over the world telling people about Jesus. Well, Paul had a message to Roman soldiers. Remember, he's locked up, and they're what? They're chained to him. And, I mean, think about being chained to Paul. Like, you might have a, an eight-hour, you know, your job was to come and be in there for eight hours, and then another soldier would come and take your place. And so Paul would probably say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I'd like to talk to you about some things. And the guy is not going to leave, right? Because he can't leave. I mean, think about it. So what did Paul say? We could say, well... While Paul was locked up, he was chained to the guards. But look at this. He said, now, I want you to know, but he's right to the church at Philippi, and he writes, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. He says, me being in prison has actually turned out for greater progress of the gospel, so, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ, because everybody knows I'm in prison because of Jesus Christ, has become well known 
throughout the praetorium guard and to everyone else. So he's there telling the praetorium guards. Every time they come, he tells whichever the new one is there about Jesus and about things. And so some of them probably believed in Christ. And, and the word is getting out who this guy is and what he's talking about. He says, the message of salvation is going out everywhere. He says, to the whole praetorium guard. I looked at, you know, the praetorium guard, when you hear about it, it I read something that's called Household Troops of the Roman Emperors. The praetorium guard existed at least through the second century, and they acted as bodyguards for the Roman generals and also bodyguards for the emperor. So these were elite Elite soldiers, you might say. They weren't just the run-of-the-mill soldier. These were the Praetorium Guard. They were trained. They were special. And they, if you had a general, you had these guards with them. If you had the emperor, you had these guards with them. And so they're, they're, list, they're hearing from Paul the message of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just incredible. And so you could say, wow, if, when Paul got in prison, that sort of limited the ministry. Paul said it didn't limit anything. He said, in fact, the, the greater progress of the gospel. Paul actually is almost saying, it's probably going better with me being in prison than when I wasn't in prison. He actually says later in, in the book of Philippians, he says that because of my imprisonment, others are more bold to proclaim Jesus Christ. He said that. Wow. So powerful stuff. Well, let's look at the third thing, and that is Paul's prison letters. Now, you've got just stuff to write on, and you don't have to write any of this if you don't want to. I just wanted to give you a big overview. We looked, when we went through, we looked at Galatians, and we looked at all, the, we looked at all those different things. Well, I want you to see this. This is Paul's prison letters. The first letter that we're going to look at is Ephesians, and I don't want you to have to turn there or anything, but, but how do we know how it's tied in? Well, in Ephesians 6, he says, now that you, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, now that you may also know about my circumstances, he's in prison, as to what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, he will make everything known to you. So the best we can understand, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, which we have, and he sent it by this guy named Tychicus to the church. And, and so that letter, it came while Paul was in prison, and he wrote, and he says, I want you to know about my circumstances. This guy's going to bring the letter, and he's going to talk to you. Now, the Ephesian letter is an incredible letter. Uh, it, there's a commentary set called the Grace New Testament commentary set. I got to do for that commentary set the book of Ephesians. And, and so I, I love the book. And I had just, got, I had just taught it verse by verse in church. And they came to me and said, would you be willing to write the commentary on that? And I said, well, I just finished teaching verse by verse the book. So that should help. And, and it is because when you look at Ephesians, it's sometimes called a circular letter because even though it's written to the church at Ephesus, it's a very general letter. Some of the others aren't as general. This is very general. And it really deals with our identity and service in Christ. And if you look at the Ephesian letter, and I'm just giving you something basics, the first three chapters, there's six chapters, chapters one, two, three, tell us who we are in Christ. That's what it tells us. It talks about your identity in Christ. It talks about we were dead in trespasses sins, now we're alive. By grace you're saved through faith. It tells you all that stuff. It talks about God giving and all these things. So it talks about us being placed in Christ and we identify in the body of Christ. So that's chapters one, two, and three. Then chapters four, five, and six basically says, how do we live out who we are in Christ? That's what Paul does all the time. He gives the theology first and says, this is who you are. 
And then he says, now this is how you live. So if you want to read the book of Ephesians and you read the first three chapters, it keeps telling us you're in Christ, you're identified in Christ, you're a child. You know, then you get to chapters four, five, and six, and he says, now, walk worthy of your calling. Use your spiritual gifts. As husbands do this, as wives do this. And then he talks, he ends the book basically by saying, now be sure and put on the armor of God when you go out to live for Christ. So that's the book of Ephesians that was written by Paul in prison. I think the best, I think it was probably written early. I think early in the two-year time period, because he, in the letter of Ephesians, he doesn't say anything about getting out of prison, okay? Then there are the next letters, which is Colossians and Philemon and Philippians. I think those are all written at the same time. The reason we say that is the people who are addressed in the letter, like this guy's going to bring this, they're the same people. And in all those letters, he says something like, I hope to be seeing you soon. He thinks he's going to get out. I think probably close toward the end of the two years. The letter to the Colossians is often overlooked. Uh, I might teach that next on Sunday mornings. The Colossian letter is deep. It's powerful. And here's the bottom line. There were people in Colossians who had been taught that Jesus wasn't God, that he was actually an angel, or that between man and God were these intermediary hosts, and Jesus was the main one in between. Wasn't God, but like a big angel. And some people said that you should worship angels. And so the, people, the church in, in Colossians were, were getting confused, and, and Colossians, and so let me, let me turn over there because I want to read something to you in just a second. So he writes them, and he's got to correct some of these things. Just like in that early letter to the Galatians, he corrected a whole bunch of things. Well, in this one, he's, he's going to be writing, and he says this. In Colossians 4.12, let me just read this to you. He writes and says, Epaphras, who is one of your own number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring for you, and he's going to stand for you. And so he's basically saying, this is the man that I'm, I'm, that I'm sending back to you. He's one of yours. He's going to tell you everything that's been going on. Here's what he says. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. By Jesus, he created everything in the heavens, the earth, visible, invisible, the thrones, our dominions, our rulers, our authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He says, listen, Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is not a man. Jesus is not part of anything. He is the eternal God who created all things. He is the, the image of the invisible God. He is the one you can see. That's basically what he says. Listen to this. This is Colossians 2, verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. He says, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. Jesus is God. That's one of the issues. And you know that throughout church history, there were people who would say that Jesus Christ was a man and not God. And then there were people who taught that Jesus was God, but he wasn't a true man. And they had all kinds of controversies. The bottom line is Jesus Christ is the God-man. He's the mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is both God and man. He's the perfect man. He's the perfect God. And he is that. There's nothing else like him. And as Colossians says, he is God, and that he needs to be worshipped as God. And, of course, there's so much more in the letter to the Colossians uh, that, that it's just powerful. From there, at the same time that he writes a, a book called Philemon, and it's a letter called Philemon, he's writing to a man named Philemon. And guess where Philemon lives? Colossus. 
And so we're going to find that the letter to the Colossian letter and the Philemon letter were carried by the same people. The same people are, missed, are listed in the book. And we see there's a person named Onesimus that deals with Colossians, that deals with a runaway slave, and this man belongs to Philemon. Let me, let me just give you a quick story. When Paul was in prison in Rome, a guy showed up one day who was a runaway slave. And he probably got thrown into prison himself, or Paul heard about it, and they sent him over to Paul. And Paul led this guy to Christ. And then Paul said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Onesimus. And he said, where are you from? And he said, Colossians. And he said, oh, I know people there. I, I have friends there. He said, well, my master was Philemon. He went, Philemon? I led Philemon to Christ. I know Philemon real well. And he said, yeah, I, I ran away. He said, okay, look, you need to go back. But in those days, if you're a runaway slave and you went back, what'd they do to you? They killed you. So Paul says, listen, listen, let me do this. Let me write a letter to Philemon and tell him how you believed in Christ and that you're my friend. And I actually want you to stay here with me and help me, but... I'm going to ask him to say, and so I'm going to send you back, and then he'll send you back to me. And so I'm going to ask him to, to let you go. And then I'm going to tell him that if, if you owe him anything, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. And that's the letter. And so Paul writes to this man named Philemon, and, and he writes, and he, says, and he says, and with him is Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, and he's going to tell you everything. And then he says, I appeal to you from my child, Onesimus. He's his child because he led him to Christ, whom I forgot, who have begotten in my imprisonment. And he wants to, him to bring him back. And he says, here's my wish, whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. He actually says to Philemon, listen, let him stay and help me. I had never studied the Bible before, not by myself. And I started growing, and this is when I was coaching at Mississippi State. And so I decided that I would study the Bible for myself because everybody said you should go verse by verse, passage by passage, and study it. I'd never really done that. So I thought, what book could I do? And they were all seemed to be long. So I looked through, and I found this one that was like one page. It's called Philemon. I said, I can do this. you know. And so I started studying it, and I didn't realize how much was there. And it just so happens, let me tell you this. So I actually studied it, put it together in my mind, thought about it, thought what it was about and everything. And so one Sunday I went into church and I, I, do, I, I wasn't a teacher then. I was actually in a Sunday school class and the guy that taught the class was a good friend of mine. And we had a bus ministry in those days. We don't do that now, but that was a bus ministry then. And one of the buses broke down and he was in charge of it. And so as Sunday school is about to start, he said, Jenny, come here. I said, what? I mean, I'm just sitting there, and he says, one of the buses broke down, I got to leave. Can you take the class? I went, take the class? He said, have you ever studied something? What can you teach? I said, well, I studied Philemon. He said, teach that. I said, okay. I taught Philemon. It was good. It was good. <laughs> and so it was so much fun. So if you've never studied this book, you got to study it. There's more things in there than you can imagine. The doctrine of imputation is there. He says, whatever he owes you, put it on my account. I will pay it. Impute it to my account. All our sin was imputed to Christ. 
His righteousness is imputed to us. That's from that book. There's just so much there. So you could do that. It'd be fun. And so he says, look at, he says, at the same time, prepare me a lodging, for I hope through your prayers I'll be given to you. He thinks he's going to get out. And then there's one more. Let me look at that. That's Philippians. Everybody loves Philippians. People always say, we're going to study Philippians. I say, yeah, everybody studies Philippians. Nobody studies Colossians. Everybody studies Philippians. It's so fun. And, and it is, and, and, and there's a guy, he said, I thought it necessary to send to Epaphroditus to you. He's my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier who is your messenger and minister. So he sends this guy named Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi. I think they all went at the same time, even though some went to Colossians and some went to Philippi. And, he told, and, and they were in going through trials and problems and everything. And what does he write about? What, what, what should we do when we're in trials and problems? Cry, moan, no. Does he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Where's Paul? Paul is rejoicing. Where is he? He's in prison. He can't go anywhere. And what does he write to the Philippians? He said, you're, in, you know, you're, 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 you're suffering, but you know what? Rejoice. Joy. How should, we, how should we come across to the world? As a legalistic Christian? or as a joyous Christian. It's amazing that, I remember Prophet Hendricks used to say, people say, oh, I have the joy of the Lord. Prophets say, somebody needs to tell your face. You know, because you don't show the joy in your face. And, and this is what we see in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he thanks them. They sent a gift to him while he was in prison. So he says, I've received everything in full and I have abundance. I'm supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Remember I said that when you give, that's a sacrifice to God. Whenever you give, that's a sacrifice to God. So those, those are the four letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. I think Ephesians was probably early, and I think these last three were probably pretty close to the same time, and we know that Philemon and Colossians were written at the same time, carried by the same people. Let's Stop and think for just a minute. I know time is about out. Paul's letters. On his first journey, he wrote what? How many? One. Galatians. On second journey, how many did he write? Two. First and second Thessalonians. On his third journey, how many did he write? Three. First and second Corinthians and Romans. In his prison in Rome, how many did he write? Four. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. Well, what happens? Well, he gets released. I told you that we don't know. We don't know what happens. A book of Acts ends with Paul in prison in Rome for two years. That's all we know, but he apparently was released. We don't really have a record, but he wrote three more letters. He wrote what we call the pastoral letters, the pastoral epistles. He wrote First and Second Timothy and Titus, and we're going to talk about those next time, and we'll see how that fits together, and where he traveled. And you know what? It, it, there's no book that says this is where he traveled, but I'm going to show you. We'll find some places that he traveled after he got out and what happened. Uh, when I read 2 Timothy, I always get so sad because that's Paul's last letter, and he's ready to die. And he's run the race. He's fought the fight. He's kept the faith. He's ready to be delivered up. And uh, I, when I was an early Christian, brand-new Christian, I would never read the ends of anything because I didn't want to know that Paul, I didn't want to know how Paul died. I wouldn't even find out from history. How they, and they most likely, you know, cut his head off because they couldn't crucify Paul because he was a Roman citizen. So anyway, we'll, we'll see that. Let me give you some applications real quickly. Let's trust God's plans, often different than we thought. Paul said, I'm going to Rome, and then I'm going to Spain. And God said, well, not exactly. You know, not exactly. And while he was there, we got to trust God. For, he, 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 I mean, think about it. 
He talked to the, he wrote four letters and he saw Jews and Gentiles and he talked to soldiers. He did everything. Second is, let's, let's use every opportunity to share our faith. Think about it. Wherever Paul was, whether he was on the island of Malta, whether he was on the ship, whether he was in Ephesus, whether he was in Colossus, whether he was in Jerusalem, whether he was in Rome, it didn't matter. He, he told people the, the gospel. And, and sometimes we just don't get excited about it. We just don't get excited about it. We did a thing at Dallas Seminary once a semester. We would call it the Day of Evangelism. And we, I've, I've told you this before, so it's not new. But we'd go out, and they'd divide sections of the city up, and like we'd go in pairs, and we'd have like a little like a neighborhood area. And we'd just go knock on doors and, and say, we're from Dallas Seminary. We'd like to tell you how, you know, would you like to ask you some spiritual questions or so? And most people were open, especially back in those days. And, uh, but the first time we go... We're, we're going, and my friend says, you talk. I said, no, you talk. No, you talk. You talk. But then after we start doing it, we're saying, I'm talking. No, I'm talking. Because I'm, you, you get so excited about doing it. And if we would just start doing it on a regular basis, before you know it, you wouldn't be afraid. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say, I don't know what to tell them. Yes, you do know what to tell them, and you'd be excited about doing it. So let's use every opportunity. Third, let's realize the Word of God can't be stopped. You can put Paul in prison all you want to, but he writes four letters. Right? He writes four more letters in the, book, in the Bible. I mean, nothing can stop the Word of God. And, and Paul says, I was bound, but the Word of God cannot be bound. And the Bible tells us the Word of God can never come back void, but will always accomplish His purpose. That's why you should always teach the Bible, not stories. I mean, nothing wrong with giving a story, but the Bible is the authority and the Word of God and alive and powerful. It's not our stories. It's the Scripture that's the key. Last, let's have an understanding of the prison letters Ephesians is our identity and ministry in Christ. Colossians is the deity of Jesus. Philippians is service and thankfulness. And Philemon is take back Onesimus.